Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving. You guys ready for a word from God today? Okay, making sure, making sure I'm in the right place. I preached uh, so hard at nine, I lost my voice about halfway through, so you guys are in for it today. Um, I'm only going to take about 25, 30 minutes at the max because we got a lot to do at the end in blessing our students, putting some resources in their hands, making sure that we cover everyone involved in public um, schools or private schools or home schools, whatever it may look like. We want to take the time to be able to bless them, pray over them uh, as they go into a brand new school year. Um, and with that being said, how many of you understand that homes are under attack? Um, and I'll take it a step further. It's not just homes. We, we know that families are under attack, that children, I hope you guys know, children are under attack. Um, marriages are under attack. And because so many facets of our life are under attack, I think it's important today that I preach a message that I want to call taking a stand. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell them, let's take a stand. Come on, that's the wrong neighbor. Tell somebody else, take a stand. That's what I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes today. Um, and I promise I am done with our series on the book of Ephesians. We only did eight weeks. Um, for those of you that don't know, we just finished up an eight-week series on the book. And guess the first scripture I'm reading today comes out of Ephesians. Y'all knew it, didn't you? Ephesians chapter number 6. I'm going to be reading three verses out of Ephesians chapter 6. And then I'm going to look at one verse out of Joshua chapter 1. And I'm going to tie a couple things together as we talk about taking a stand. Ephesians 6, starting in verse number 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. And pray in the Spirit, verse 18, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. Paul is laying out very clearly that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And due to the nature of the battle that we are engaged in, he said, put on the full armor and then he tells us why. The reason we put on the full armor is so that we may be able to stand our ground, and after we've done everything, that we continue to stand. And he sums it up in verse 18 by saying, finally, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, stay alert, and keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. In Joshua chapter number 1, 
verse number 9. says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, this scripture comes on the back of the death of Moses. God is speaking to Joshua, and he's informing him that Moses is dead. Moses is dead, but Joshua, I need you to take courage. Do not fear. Do not be discouraged or dismayed. I am anointing you, Joshua, to rise and lead this nation over the Jordan into the land that I have promised you. He tells Joshua that every place that the soles of your feet touch or tread upon, I have given you. And this Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, this verse is what we are prophetically declaring over every single student, over every teacher, over every board of education employee, over every homeschool mom, every homeschool dad, is that you are to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged or dismayed, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. How many of you will claim that promise this school year? This is what we're prophetically declaring. Uh, Thomas Jefferson made this statement. He said, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. The price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Vigilance meaning to be watchful, to be alert, to stand to attention. He's saying that the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. It's eternal being alert, eternal standing to attention. We are engaged in a very real spiritual war that now finds itself even within our homes. And Paul makes it very clear that the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and darkness. So relentless is this battle that James writes that you and I are to resist the devil. Peter echoes that sentiment when he said, be self-controlled and be alert because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. He said, resist him. Stand firm in the faith. So our strategy is in one word, and that word is to stand, that we have to stand in the day of evil. We have to stand when things are at their worst. Why? Because the devil has a scheme. He has a plan. And this call to be steadfast, to be alert, to be vigilant in the face of this ruthless foe is repeated all throughout the New Testament. You and I, though, we can win every single battle in and through Christ. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How many know that in Christ we have already been get given the victory? In Christ we have the authority. In Christ we have everything we need to accomplish what God has called us to do. And Paul tells us to do one thing in the face of every battle, and that thing is to stand. And this is so on my heart. I get emotional talking about taking a stand. Because taking a stand in the culture in which we live is not popular. Especially when you make a stand for Jesus. You would think everybody would applaud and everybody would celebrate when you take a stand for Jesus. But I have found that sometimes when you take a stand for Jesus, you have more opposition 
because of that stance that you took. And so I want to I drive this home today, and I, I believe that somebody needs to hear that, that if you will stand and be alert and be watchful and stand in the place God has assigned you, I just feel like somebody needs to hear that you will see the salvation of the Lord, that our job is to stand, it's God's job to bring the victory, that if we can stand on his promise and stand on his word and not be intimidated and not back down, that we will see the salvation of God. Three ways I want us to stand today, and I'm going to be as brief as I can, but the first one is I want us to stand in defense. And I want to explain what I mean by stand in defense. Stand means to hold the line of defense. Even against the most determined and severe attack of the enemy. It has the idea of if you are a football fan, some of you are, some of you could care less, but in football, uh, they can reach a, a, a down, of a fourth down, it could be fourth and one or fourth and goal from the one-yard line, which means the offense has one more opportunity to get the touchdown or to make the first down. And, and if your team is on defense, you just want them to stand and to hold the line, because if they hold the line, it's a turnover on downs, which means your team gets the ball. And, and the whole indicator of this, the whole uh, point of this, is that there are times when we need to stand in defense and refuse to give the devil even one inch of territory, that we are drawing a line in the sand. You've come this far, but you're not going any further. The buck stops with me. Do I have any people in the house today that would say, you've come far enough, I'm drawing a line, and it stops right here. I'm holding the line. I'm standing in opposition to what you're doing. And those of you that are engaged in spiritual warfare, you know what I'm talking about. These last few years, we have all been taught the lesson that the enemy's attacks are relentless. He never stops. He will hit you with an attack, you'll hold the line. And guess what? You wake up tomorrow and he will come again and you'll have to hold the line again. And sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we get a little fatigued. And we're tired of holding the line. But prophetically speaking, I believe some of you are a little fatigued by, by the battle. But Paul says to do one thing, and that is to stand, to stand firm. As I said a, a couple of seconds ago, it's not popular to make a stand, especially when it's for Jesus. But Paul said, having done all, to stand means when the battle is over, we have not surrendered one inch of territory, which means that we're going to take the stance that we will defend our family against the spiritual forces of evil and the influences of secularism, that we will defend our children against demonic influences that are trying to infiltrate themselves into our school system, into our homes, that we're going to defend our marriage against influences set to bring division in our home, influences that want to keep prayer out of school, influences that want to keep Jesus out of school, that we are standing firm and saying, devil, you're not taking any more territory. We're here and we're going to hold the line. God is looking for some people that will hold the line. I made a statement earlier this year, and it keeps ringing true, that we're living in a time where a clear line is being drawn in the sand. 
that you are either with Jesus or you are against Jesus. The line used to be a little blurry at times. You couldn't tell. Are they with Jesus? Are they against Jesus? It was a little blurry, a little foggy, but over the last few years, the line is no longer blurry. You're either with Jesus or you're against him. And I just want to give you an opportunity, if you're with Jesus, make some noise in this house. If you're with Jesus. We got, we got to get some boldness back. I, I'm tired of cowards in the church. I'm going to get to that in a minute. I don't want to preach beyond where I'm at. But illustration, there was a man getting ready to go deer hunting. And every year he would go hunting, but this time his wife was mad. She wasn't mad that he was going hunting. She was mad that he did not invite her to go along. And so they argued and had one of those, you know, democratic, you know, spats, whatever you want to call it. And he finally, he agreed, said, you can go hunting with me. And so they went the next morning and he, he drives out into the country and he gets her set up in a tree stand and she's all taken care of. And then he goes about a hundred yards away and he's set up in a, in a tree stand. But by the time he got to his, he heard this loud bang coming from about where he had positioned his wife. And, and so he runs over there to find that his wife has drawn a gun on a man, has this gun on the man, like pointed right at him, saying, this is my deer. This is my deer, while holding the gun on the man. And the man is scared out of his mind. He's like, okay, I get it. It's your deer. But can I please get the saddle off of it before? Some of y'all going to get that on the way home. The point is, the point that I'm making is that it's time that we take a stand, and if the devil is bold enough to come snooping around our home, our marriage, our kids, our ministry, our school, to distract us from the purpose and the plan of God, then we got to be bold enough to take a stand for Jesus, pull out our gun, which is the Word of God, and go a little on the offensive and say the buck stops here. Stand also means, it's not just hold the line, it means to pursue the battle. Not just defend the position. This verb has to do with achievements in war or athletic games. We can't forget that the goal of the Christian is not to get to heaven. This is why the church is so weak and, and powerless. Is we think the goal is that we make it to heaven. That's not the goal. If you're saved, you're on your way there. The goal is not for you to get to heaven. The goal has always been for heaven to come into the earth. But we sit around like we don't have power, like we don't have authority, and we don't take a stand for anything, and we wonder why everything looks like hell when it's supposed to be looking like heaven. Some of you are like, he's cussing. I'm not cussing. I'm preaching the Bible. Listen, we got to bring heaven into the earth. That is the mandate. God wants heaven to flood the earth. And some of us, we can't do that because we're, we're playing games. We're, we're checking a church box. We, we, we hear sermons like, you know, let's make the earth look more like heaven, and we'll say amen to it. But while we're saying amen to bringing heaven into the earth, we can't even operate in the fruit of the Spirit. 
which is proof that you're actually saved. Proof that you're saved is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, patience. If you don't have any, you're not saved. If you have the Holy Spirit and he's taken up residence, the fruit of that relationship are the nine fruit of the Spirit. Listen in Galatians 5. And, and, and we can. The Bible says that if we don't have, if a man cannot rule his own spirit, if he has no rule over his own spirit, he is like a city with broken down walls, which means anything comes in and anything goes out. How many know we ought to be able to rule our own spirit, operate in, in the fruit of the spirit, but at the same time bring heaven into the earth in every place we go? That's what we're called to do. You're an ambassador of Christ. This means that we got to take a bold stance in taking our families back for Jesus, our marriage back for Jesus, our schools back for Jesus. A lot of you, you've heard the slogan that says, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Got to be willing to make a stand. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 5, God says, I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. And I love that God says, I'll be a wall of fire around it. And, 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 and I felt like the Lord wanted me to share. Parents, you need to be like that with your kids. You need to be a wall of fire around your children. That your home is worth fighting for. That we need to, to get some gumption about us. That we're going to fight for the things that are important. That we're going to put the devil on notice. That he can't have our marriage. He can't have our kids. He can't have our family. He can't have our home that we've got to make a stand. This really stood out to me this week because there is a verse in Revelation chapter 21 that is very alarming. When you read the verse, it says that the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, the liars, that they are all being consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. It's very clear. Now, the list I just read off, you're like, well, you know, probably serves them right. All those are vile, right? The sexually immoral, the magic arts, the murderers, the unbelieving. But right in the middle of that list, there's one that stands out because it looks like it doesn't fit. In Revelation 21.8, it says, But the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, the liars, but it also says the cowards. Cowards is in that list. People that have no backbone are in the same list as the sexually immoral, as the murderers, and as the liars. And cowards, I'm just going to go ahead and say it because there are people in this room, there better be in this room, that feel like you're called to lead, that you have a leadership gift, that, that God wants to put you over something, and that is good. There's nothing wrong with wanting that or desiring that or knowing that you've been called to that, but cowards are not fit for leadership. We usually qualify someone when it comes to leadership based on how popular they are, or if everyone likes them. We think that's, that means they are a leader. But when I look at the Bible and I study the great leaders of the Bible, what I've learned is that you can't be a prophet 
of God and a leader of God and have high approval ratings. That it's impossible to be doing the will of God and have all five-star approval ratings. That as a matter of fact, if you're doing what God has called you to do, you're going to have a lot of five-star approval ratings, but you know what else you got a lot of? A lot of one-star. Everybody's going either going to love you or hate you, but you got to get over it. We ain't got time for cowards. We ain't got time for people that don't have a backbone. If you're going to get offended every time somebody don't like you, get out of the way. Let somebody else in because you don't want to find yourself on that list burning in hell, not because you were sexually immoral, not because you were a liar, not because you were unbelieving, but because you were a coward. And you needed everyone to like you. We got to stand in defense. It's important that we stand in defense. Secondly, stand in unity. From the dawn of time, families have been under attack by the forces of evil. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, the devil came to them in the form of a serpent. He tempted them to disobey God, and he offered them enlightenment. Now, we wouldn't call it today enlightenment. We call it being woke. And being woke, not only is it a joke, but being woke is the opposite of being born again. We got a lot of people that are woke but not born again. And Jesus said, unless you are born again, that you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And there's a lot of people claiming to be woke and to be enlightened, and they are being led astray by the plans of the devil. They are being taken off course by the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. And I'm telling you today, church, that's why I said the lines are real clear, and you got to decide that you are either on Team Jesus or you're not on Team Jesus because there's not three teams. There's two teams. There's God's kingdom. There's the devil's kingdom. You're on one or the other. You can't straddle that fence. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, there's not a third team. Come on, you're either with Jesus or you're against him. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. What, what was Paul saying here? He said, I, I'm, I'm afraid that you're going to be taken off course because you're not alert. You're not paying attention. You're not standing in your rightful place. You're not taking a stand. 1 Timothy 2.14, all the women are going to love this verse, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman. I just want to see how that landed because that's not my word. It's God's word. It, Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Now, I'm going to go ahead and throw out a disclaimer right here, and this is not to get on Karen's good side. This is just biblically speaking. Um, Eve was deceived first, but you have, to, you have to remember, God didn't show up until Adam did it. And the reason God waited, because I, I fully believe, had Eve taken the fruit and then Adam said, woman, you crazy, put that down. I think everything would have been all right. You know why? Because God put Adam in charge. He gave him the responsibility. He took woman out of man. 
Now, some of us don't like this kind of preaching because we, we're all for the women's rights, and, women, and I'm for all that stuff. But listen, Adam was responsible. God didn't show up in the garden and ask, Eve, where are you? When she messed up, when Adam took, God, God showed up in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? So God, and, and here, here's what I'm trying to show you. The enemy's tactic has always been to divide and conquer. If there's ever been a time when, listen to me, married couples, if there's ever been a time that you and your spouse need to be on the same page, it's right now. We don't have time for, for one of you going this way and the other one going this way. And, oh, I want this and I want that. If there's ever been a time for you to get on the same page and begin to pray together, believe together, dream together, stand together, it is right now. Because if the enemy can get into your marriage and produce division, he can take out your entire family. But today we're taking a stand, not only in defense, but also in unity. We're going to be unified in our home, in our family, and this is a place where the Holy Spirit to reign supreme is in our home. Somebody give God praise if you believe there's power when you and your spouse are unified. I told you I'm a little bit passionate today. Galatians 5.15 says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So there's spiritual power in unity. And Jesus taught about the power of two people when they come into agreement in prayer. Matthew chapter 18, he said, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. You know what will get revival to break out real quick? is for you to join hands with your spouse and get unified and invite the Holy Spirit into your house. You want to see a revival? You want to see the fire of God? You want to see healings and miracles and Holy Spirit baptisms and lost people getting saved? You and your spouse get on the same page and invite the Holy Spirit in and watch what God will do. Get unified with it. Take a stand. Ephesians 4.3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Christians need to learn that it's time to rally around Christ and Him crucified, which means that we're rallying around our families, our children, our students, our teachers, our schools. We need to adopt in our homes, instead of a, a you kind of language, we need to get a we language. Even when you're addressing problems in the home, instead of saying your problem, start saying our problem. Let's attack it together. Quit singling out people in your home and making them feel like trash. Get on the same page. This is our problem. We're going to work through this together. We have Jesus as the center of this home. We can get through any obstacle. We can get through any difficulty if we're unified. It has been said that home is a place where love is shut in and strife is shut out. Unity means that we share the same faith and values and that we stand together and fight for, for the solidarity of our homes. Stand in defense. Stand in unity. As someone comes to the keys, I want to finish by talking to you about standing in prayer. Standing in prayer. How many know prayer is important? Okay, three of you. That's good. We made some progress. Ephesians 6, 18, Paul said, pray in the Spirit. 
on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. When General Lee May appeared before a congressional debriefing after World War II, he was asked what he needed for the military to protect us from communist aggression. And he said two things. He said, give me men who know God and give me men who know how to pray. Give me men who know God and give me men who know how to pray. And Paul gives us specific things with prayer in this one verse. He says, first of all, pray in the Spirit. Some of y'all don't know this, but you, you, you're going to know it if you hang around for just a little while. We are a Pentecostal church, which means we pray in the Spirit, we speak in tongues, we cast out devils, we lay hands on sick people and watch them recover. Some of you are like, oh, I didn't know that's where I was. That's where you are, baby. That's where you are. You hang around the creek bank long enough, eventually you're going to fall in. We're praying you fall in and get all of God that you can get. But he said, pray in the Spirit. And listen, there is prayer, there's petitioning, all those things are important, but there's also anointed prayers. Holy Spirit-led prayer. There are times when I'm praying, and I know I'm praying, but there are times when I feel that shift, and it's no longer Chad that's praying, it's the Holy Ghost praying. And that can be in tongues or in English. There are prayers in English that are spirit-led, that, that, that is me praying in the Spirit. Why is it important to pray in the Spirit? Because it's building up, the, Jude says, your most holy faith. When you pray in the Spirit, it is like going to the gym in the natural and pumping iron all day long. Every time you pray in the Spirit, it is like working out the Spirit man. It's getting you stronger. It's preparing you for battle. Paul said we pray when we pray in tongues that we are praying mysteries, things we don't understand, things that we can't see, but we're praying things that will come to pass in our future that are in a alignment with the perfect will of God. There's not a day that goes by in my life that I don't pray in the Holy Ghost. Every day I stop at some point and I'm going to pray in the Spirit. Why? Because I need, I need strength that doesn't come from me. I need strength that comes from heaven. I need strength that comes from the one he sent. Jesus said it'll be to your advantage that I leave. Why? Because I, it's not going to be God with you. It's going to be God in you. Anybody thankful that God has taken up residence in this earthen vessel? We have this treasure. Man, I feel like preaching today. I'm stirred up. I want to see you full of the Holy Ghost, full of power, that when sickness comes against your house, yeah, you can call me. That's cool. But I also want you to pull out the oil. I don't care if it's buttered flavored Crisco. And you wipe it on your spouse's head, on your kid, whatever you got to do, and begin to pray the fire of God down in your house. Listen, God will hear your prayers. He will answer your prayers. He'll show up and do incredible things if you'll place priority on prayer and his presence. You can have as much of God as you want. And as a matter of fact, you have right now how much God you want. Pastor, I just need more God. I wish I had more God. You have exactly what you want. He said very clearly in, in his word that if you seek me, you'll find me. Man, this is a promise. He said, if you'll draw near to me, I will draw near to you. 
I've done everything on my end for you to know me so intimately. Last Sunday night, we went home and we hosted Pastor Brandon. We had a good day, but we had sort of an attack at, at our house and, and Karen had had an injury the week before that kind of turned into a migraine and, and man, she was just in so much pain. It was late on Sunday night and we just, we just started praying. About an hour and a half later before we stopped, the glory of God fell in that room. At one point, I found myself in my bedroom on my face and I couldn't stand because of his presence. So heavy in our home. And God touched her body that night. And it's not because we're special. It's not because we did anything to deserve that. I'm just saying, if you will seek him, some of the strife, some of the sickness, some of the things you're struggling with, they would vanish in his presence. I have felt his presence all morning. And it's because what we're doing today is not just a box to check. It's not just something we're doing because it's a cool thing to give everybody supplies and pray over everybody. I could feel the power of God moving as we laid hands on the educators and the Board of Education employees this morning. I could sense God's presence. I watched students cry in the presence of God and teachers be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit because this is not just a box to check. I had one teacher stop me after the first service and she said last year, she said this day last year, it changed my entire school year. She said I went to school and the first day of class I, I was faced with this opposition with a student, I'm not going to go into details, but had severe opposition, thought he was going to have to be removed from the class, all this stuff, but by the end of the school year, he was calling her his school mom. Somebody give, I mean, it just drastic change. And she said, I connected all of it to what happened in this room one year ago. So what we're doing today is not just checking a box, not just going through the motion. We want to anoint every person as they go back to school, that they find favor and the peace of God. Paul said, pray in the spirit, pray on all occasions, pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. And he said, be alert and always keep praying. Stand on your guard. Take your place is what Paul is telling them. I'm going to close with this story. The Chinese we know built the Great Wall of China and it was so high that no one could get over it. So thick that no one could tunnel through it. They built this wall and they sat down behind the wall feeling that their future was secure. But in the first 100 years of the existence of the wall, China was invaded three times. The enemy didn't come over the wall because the wall was too high. They didn't tunnel through the wall because the wall was too thick. Each time China was invaded, the enemy came through a gate that was left open for them. Those who guarded the gate had been bribed. And while the people of China sat comfortably behind the security and safety of the wall, they failed to teach their children integrity and patriotism. They sold out to the enemy, and the enemy invaded their land. 
Church, if that is not a picture of what spiritual warfare looks like, Jesus has done enough for you to be protected all the way around. When the enemy gets in and has success against us, it's because we have, in fact, left open a door or a window, and we have given him access to be able to bring destruction. It's why Paul said very strongly, give the devil no place. Do not give him a foothold. Don't give him an opportunity. You've got to stop him. You've got to take a stand for the cause of Christ. And so that's why we're doing what we're doing today. And I'm going to ask at this time, and I, I want to, I'm going to take my time and methodically go through this because I want to make sure we're all on the same page. It may get a little bit chaotic, but I promise the Holy Spirit's going to move. Is that fair? Y'all know you can smile in church. Some of you look like you hadn't smiled in a while. We're going to pray a smiling spirit on you. I'm going to ask that every... Uh, before I ask you to come, all my prayer team and staff, if you would come forward and kind of spread out among the front here. And I'm going to have five of you. Some of you are back from the first service, so you know what to do with the buckets. Perfect. Here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to be at peace so that you know. First thing we're going to do, we're going to be praying for all faculty members, Board of Education employees, private school education employees, homeschool moms, anybody that's that's a part of that. You may drive a bus or cook at a school. Whatever it is, we're going to ask you first to come. We're going to pray for you. But before you go to your seat, we're going to make you stay here a little while, and you're going to be anointing some bracelets with the Joshua 1-9 verse to be strong and courageous. We're going to give that to every uh, teacher, all the faculty members, all the students today. And you're also going to help us after we've covered you with prayer. You're going to help us pray for all of B Kids and B Students. And then we're going to let you give them the bracelets. We're going to have a time of prayer and a time of worship. So it's going to take a few minutes for us to get through this. But how many believe that what we're doing over these next 10, 15 minutes is important? Anybody believe it's important? I believe it's really important. When I feel the Holy Ghost like this, I want to throw this mic and run. But I'm going to, I'm going to keep my composure because if I throw the mic and run, some of y'all are going to be scared. So I'm not going to do that right now, maybe afterwards. But I'm going to ask that all the Board of Education employees, whether you're a teacher, a principal, uh, a cook, a bus driver um, in the public school system or private uh, education or homeschool mom or dad, all of it. If you're involved with education at any level, I want you to stand and come forward. Come on, you can't be shy. I need you to stand and come forward. As they're making their way up, to line across, just kind of spread out and line across. Can we give them a big God bless you? We thank you. I believe that this is a calling. This is a calling. We celebrate the calling of God on their lives. Yeah, y'all can't be afraid. We pro I promise nobody up here bites. Awesome. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to lead a prayer, just kind of a corporate prayer. But as I'm praying over you, um, our prayer team and staff, they're going to come by and they're actually going to lay hands on you. And, and we're going to speak Joshua 1.9 to be strong, to be courageous, not to fear, not to be dismayed or discouraged, but to understand that God's going with you wherever you go. 
I believe 2023, 2024 school year is going to be an amazing year because you're anointed to do it. You're called to do it. God's favored you to do it. And so as I begin praying, they're going to come by and they're going to begin praying with you as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your presence in this room today. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in the lives of every teacher, every board of education employee. And God, we lay hands on them now in the name of Jesus. And Father, we bless them in the name of Jesus. We declare your blessing and your anointing over them as they prepare, God, to serve kids in the public school system, God, in in the private sector, and also, God, even homeschools, God. Lord, we pray for your anointing, your blessing, and your favor to be on them. God, that you would let them be salt and let them be light in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you give them an incredible school year, God. I pray, God, that you would Give them uh, the tongue of a ready writer is what your word says, that they can speak a word in season, God, to students that may need a word of encouragement. And, God, we just declare over their families, God, as they step into their calling this year, God, that you have gone before them, you have made the crooked places straight, and, God, you're going to utilize them to bring heaven into the earth in the place of their work and the place of their calling. Let heaven invade the earth in that school in that home, God. Do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. Meet them where they are this year and let it be the greatest year they've ever had. We declare it, we decree it, and God, according to your word, we know that it will be established in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Can we give God a quick praise for that right there? Now, you guys don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. We got five containers of bracelets with the Joshua 1-9 verse. This is what we're prophetically declaring over all of you and over all of your students. And so we want to create like five little pods where you can bless these bracelets that are going to go on your wrist and also on the B kids when they come in in just a minute. You're going to help us do that. So I want you to get around one of these containers, kind of create little circles, whatever, and let's begin to anoint those bracelets before B kids comes in. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now. And we speak blessing. And we speak favor and anointing the same way that the Apostle Paul anointed handkerchiefs, God, and sent them out. And when they were sent out, God, people were healed and delivered. God, we pray that these bracelets would be anointed. And God, as kids wear them, when they see other students wearing them, they would see and know that is someone I can talk to about my struggle. It's someone I can talk to about my relationship with Christ. I pray, Father, that every person that wears this would would walk in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 God to be bold and to be courageous to be strong to know that you are with us wherever we go we anoint these bracelets and God as kids wear them we know that you are anointing them and favoring them God for this upcoming school year and God we declare it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and everybody said amen I'm going to invite B kids to come in take one for yourself one for yourself, and then I want you to put some in your hand because B Kids is coming in and you guys are going to put it on them. Yeah, come this way and face out. That's perfect. Can we let B Kids know how much we love them? Come on, church. 
We are a blessed church. Any students in the room, middle school, high school, we want you to come too. Whether you are in the middle school room or you're sitting in this room, we want students to be a part of this moment. Awesome. I want everybody that's out there sitting, can we stand now as everybody's kind of come into the room? I don't know how it makes you feel, but when I see all these kids, all these students, man, it, it moves me. I'm so thankful for all of them. Now, prayer team, staff, educators, not only are we giving them a bracelet, now we're going to lay hands on all these kids. And all the educators that just received prayer, you're going to help us pray. So find some kids. Let's bless them. Come on, speak Joshua 1-9 over them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak Joshua 1-9 over this generation. God, that they will be strong and courageous. They will not be discouraged or be dismayed. But they will know, Father, that wherever they go, you are with them. We cover this generation with the presence of God, that you protect them, God, as they walk into school environments, God. We pray your protection, your blessing, your favor over them. We pray that you would connect them with the right friends, God. Lord, we know, God, that relationships are important, and we speak, God, that you would put them around the right people, the right influences, and, God, we declare that they will be the good influences for someone else. God, I pray for a revival to break out in our students, a revival to break out in our kids, God, that would impact this region in a way that we have never seen. Holy Spirit, move in our schools, God, all of our schools, the elementary schools, the middle schools, the high schools, God. Let, let a revival break out where lost, the lost are saved, the sick are healed, the bound are delivered, and God, use this generation right here to bring help heaven into the earth. We declare, God, that they are, they're going to be a great generation, a powerful generation, God, that will do great exploits in the kingdom of God. We speak life over them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Can we give God some praise, church? Come on, you can do better than that. Give God some praise. Now, while I got everybody up here, I don't want you to go too quick, but here's what I want you to do. We're going to allow B-Kids to go back to B-Kids so that you can check them out properly. Some of y'all worried, what if little Johnny gets stolen? No, he's not. We're going to let him, you're going to check him out like you always do. So B-Kids are going to make their way out. They will get their backpacks and their supplies when you leave service. All the educators, um, we have baskets for you on the right and the left before you go to your seat. Make sure if you're a teacher, if you work in the school system, that you grab one of the white or blue baskets. It's got supplies and resources for you to be a blessing to you. So make sure you grab one of those as you go back to your seat. Our worship team is going to come. They're going to close us out. 
with one more song. And after this song, don't forget, we got CJ Cole and Hannah in the back for FCA and Young Life. Educators, don't leave without your baskets. We got them for you on the right and the left. Make sure you grab those. Are you glad you came to church today? Amen. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.